to episode 8 of Source of Uncertainty. I'm Robert Standifer. And I'm Kyle Swisher. And this is our first episode of the new year, 2020. And I think I've just stopped writing 2019 on, on everything in my journal and everywhere I write it. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm, I'm still catching myself every fourth time that I do it. Did you, did you ever write checks? I mean, yeah. Like, that kind of is a thing, you know, when you wrote checks back in the day, you had to remember to write the correct yeah, year. Like what's what's the yeah, what's the year? Yeah, now in in my line of work I am updating people on dates every day. And so mm-hmm. I am writing specific dates out or typing them all out. So Do you write twenty um, twenty or do you just put twenty? I, you know, spe- I spell it all out, yeah. <laughs> I spell the entire word. Two thousand twenty. <laughs> now so man, we have we have a pretty great show today. It, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing because we had a couple of forcing functions, as we say in my line of work, where <laughs> <laughs> Kyle is is headed out to Sweden, and the holidays were kind of complicated. So we interviewed our guest last month, and then we did a um, a really fun featured module segment um, last weekend to try to cram it all in before. Kyle takes off across the pond, touches down in some really cold places. <laughs> you know, it's we had all this snow here. So yeah, it's actually, it's not all that, um, it's not going to be all that different from here. I, I got all worried of like, oh man, am I going to have like a good enough jacket and I got to bring scarves and stuff. But then I'm like, nah, it's like, you know, it's 36 here. It's going to be yeah. 33 cold, over there. Weird cold snap and snowstorm. A good friend of mine lives in Stockholm and I've been seeing pictures of these posted and Gosh, man, it is so beautiful and clear. It'll it'll be pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to jinx your flight, but good luck with Iceland Air. Oh God, <laughs> are they sponsors of the show? <laughs> they just dropped us. <laughs> so speaking of EMS, or and what, what, I, what I've heard recently is that everybody calls it EMS. EMS. Oh, yeah, that was news to me. So we'll see what if that ca- that see if that catches on. Well, the, the thing is that EMS means emergency medical services. <laughs> it means electro music store. Mm-hmm. It means whatever the synthy thing was, mm-hmm. <laughs> electric music system. I don't know. And I don't know what it M, what M's actually stands for. Something, something Stockholm. I, I no, yeah, it's like, a, it's like electronic music studio N or whatever. Oh, well, yeah, that's. It's so very clear. <laughs> it's not totally. electronic music, something. So you're headed out there this week or next week or something. I know you have to pack. Yeah, so it's mid mid month right now, and I'm yeah taking off tomorrow. Um, and I'll be there in the studio for an entire week. Um, I'll have five or six hours a day that's like dedicated already, kind of on the. Um, uh, like I'm guaranteed that amount of time, but it sounds like once I'm there, I can um, try and get in because it's a 24 hour studio. So mm. um, as long as nobody else is like signed up for the time around the time that I'm there, I can, I can use it. So I will probably quickly start filling up the rest of the hours. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, you'll, you'll record it all right in the studio. Yeah. I'll have, I, got a hard drive for it and it sounds like they they kind of keep everything that you record to um mm-hmm. and so then i'll have a copy of it and 
yeah, it's it'll be an interesting way to work. Um, it's like I'm going with purposes for things I want to try out. I mean, there's, you know, A, using actual old Buchla and Associate modules is mm-hmm. going to be sweet. But then, um, you know, stuff that's um, kind of unobtainium or not clones and, and whatnot, probably things that we may never get our hands on. Yeah. Um, so it's like really want to attempt, you know, spend some time to dive in. So I'm sure I'll kind of record stuff, um, you know, f- featured module ish segments with um, with some of these things. That'd be cool. And there are modules in the system that you probably won't be able to get or are interested in. Like the, I think they have a 288V, right? Yeah. The, yeah. So you get to play with that. Yeah. Super. And then you get two 230s. <laughs> that I'm sure you will patch <laughs> yep. every composition. I'm going to come back from that place just being like, oh, the, let me tell you the ways. My the album of 230 compositions. That's right. All using the 230 <laughs> that are two minutes and 30 seconds long. <laughs> It'll be like uh, Suzanne's uh, album that was, uh, um, that was for $227. Oh, yeah. Made specifically with the uh 227 the and there are 227 copies like that's still blows my and mind the nerdy 227 is like one tenth the price of a 227 e so yeah. it all kind of adds up yeah i mean yeah they got a two they got a old 227 there um yeah. there's like stuff there's weird stuff that i'm like getting excited about like a 205 mixer yeah I mean, weird stuff that we just don't see right and that they're some of more and is their Marf old or is it a clone? I think it's a an original. So like that's wow. yeah, I'm super excited to yeah, that's gonna be amazing. <laughs> see how uh, if it works better or worse than the uh, the clone. You know, and judging by pictures, they're gonna probably have like six foot banana cables. Yeah, that thing is how wide is that? Is that fifty wide? I mean, it, um, it's it's sixty u. It's twelve across. Wow. And five rows up. Um, yeah, there's also like this other um, mystery module I haven't quite figured out that's right next to the 227 that I believe um, it you can voltage control the, the lighting in the case, oh, the lamp. Yeah. I've seen some people kind of patch or you know have videos of their patch and it's like the light seems to be pulsing along with their their mm. their beat. So um yeah way way excited and i don't get excited for trips until like i'm on the plane so <laughs> i'm like about you know now that i'm 24 hours out i'm i don't get excited until i'm at the hotel <laughs> and my <laughs> clothes are unpacked <laughs> and room service is on the way there you go yeah. as i travel for work I, I used to travel for work a lot and all the romance all the excitement just wanes you know when you're business traveling all the time and even it's kind of funny as you travel more for business, your upgrades, you know, you fly business class mm-hmm. or you go to the lounge and the first couple of times like, wow, business class. And then after a while, you're like, man, I really wish I was in first class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, get, you know, <laughs> never enough. You get jaded. I wish That's I had right. my own ocean liner. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, sh- yeah, we'll see if I can make an episode out of it or something and, um, but yeah, more on that to, to come later. Um, but you got a cool little module 
Yeah, I, I didn't want to mention it because it's so much better than what you're doing. But um, <laughs> yeah, do you want to <laughs> upstage me immediately? Yeah, it's just like, well, here it is. <laughs> I um I bought the 1979 dual voltage controlled mixer, the DVCM, and then I changed the the colors of the slider caps and I put my own red knob on there because that's you know a little touch of me. <laughs> I sold or I'm selling my 227E or maybe I'll put it in a box. I don't know, but I changed my, the configuration of my system to solve some of my preset lockup problems and other stuff that I talked about in the last episode. And I decided, man, you know, I just want a really simple output module that also is a good mixer. <clears throat> and I wanted to try it out mm-hmm. and it's <laughs> really nice. You know, I, I didn't realize just how much I missed having a good old fashioned VCA in my system. I know the 227 can do VCA stuff, but I mean, this is just a real straightforward VCA, put a control voltage in, adjust it, the attenuator with the, sl- the slider. And it's also very clean. The output of it sounds great. We used it on the featured module segment for today. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. I think the only thing I don't like, which is not a criticism at all, but because I'm using it as an output module, I have I have those little quarter, um, one eighth inch to quarter inch converters, and oh, since yeah. it's a vertical module, there you know the bottom one is hanging off. It's just it's a small thing, but I was so used to having the the thing on the back of my case for the two twenty seven E that I kind of got spoiled. So I have to move that around, you know, to turn the knob. But whatever, it's like yeah, and I mean, and that's the only. Uh, yeah, I think that's the only module that has a output like that because not like the 206 has, does that have like an output port? It doesn't. The 206 or 207 that was included with the Skylab mm-hmm. had a jumper thinging that would let you use a, um, a breakout on the back of the case, like the 227 yeah, yeah. But it doesn't come from the factory that way. So if you go buy a 207 or 206E, you have to come out the top of the module. Yeah, yeah. And which is fine. I mean, I would much rather the DVCM be a single space module with the slightest inconvenience of that little, you know, whip cable thing mm-hmm. than be two two spaces wide just so that I can have the outputs coming out the top. Totally, totally. I mean, now that I've said all that, I even wonder, why did I mention it? It's like, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it's so clean. It, um, I'm figuring out the pre and post and how to make good use of that mm-hmm. and figuring out how to do panning and, and some things like that. And like, that. isn't like one side kind of normal to the other? Like if you. Yeah. The bottom is normal to the top. So if you put a, if you put a, sa- a sound source in the top, you'll get it out of the bottom. Gotcha. Also. And, and then you can flip a switch on the back that changes the behavior of the pre and post. Mm. That um, suddenly I can't remember what it is, but because <laughs> I, I just got it yeah. like a month ago and I've been doing other things, you know, it's been a busy few weeks. Yeah. yeah. Like I need excuses. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, I'm like, I'm looking forward to, uh, yeah, figuring out cool stuff that you're going to come up with with that thing. I think. Well, you know what would be really interesting if we talked about maybe even an episode where we talked about the different mixers and for lack of a better term output modules in the Bukla system. I mean, people use the 292E or 292 clone mm-hmm. 
as a final output module, you know, as a mixer, they use 206 and 207. The, um, you know, both are mixers. Now we have this DVCM. Of course, we have the 227E. Some people use the 230, which we were just kind of joking about, but they use that as a mixer and output module as well. Really? Yeah. Because it has a built-in mixer. Mm. So, um, which wow. I thought, man, maybe I should have gotten one of those after all. So it'd be interesting to look into that because it sort of defies, you know, we get these models in our mind, these paradigms of we need to have a module that is called a mixer, mm-hmm. but you don't really need that. Yeah. It's just nice to have if you're going to do panning or, or something like that. Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously, well, I think there is a way that you can, you know, set up that, um, the uh, dual voltage controlled mixer that you just got to do kind of stereo. I mean, you can mm-hmm. just put the left and right output or whatever, but you can kind of, um, there's a cool way. I think it was on Muff Wiggler or something like that, where Wes yeah, talked about Wes, yeah. um, how you can set it up to do panning. Um, but, but yeah, I guess it all depends on, yeah, what, what you're looking to, to do with that, that final output. But yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, because I mean, almost all those modules that you just mentioned, you've gone, you've you've had at one point or another. <laughs> yeah, we still have uh, lying in wait. So, I'll um, yeah, it'll be cool to get some time with the the old school two twenty seven. Um, I I have mixed feelings about selling the two twenty seven e, like we've, we talked about, because I don't need quad in my studio. But those times when we can do quad shows local here in Seattle, I really want to have it. Mm-hmm. And I, so it's just, I remember Todd Barton had one. We mentioned him in every show. I love that. But Todd Barton had a 227E at his show here at Good Shepherd, where I met him. And you were there too, Kyle, but we hadn't met each other yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I, was, I saw him performing on his easel, and I thought, what is in that little Lem 3 case next to it? Yeah. So I walked up there and I peeked my head over to see what it was. It was a 227E. And I'll never forget because Todd looked at me and had this expression of like, the hell are you doing? <laughs> you start you start unpatching it. Like I got I couldn't read what it was. Like let me. <laughs> and I was like I was sheepishly, you know. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> but it was a t- it, that's how he did quad it. You, you shouldn't have done it while he was in the middle of performing. That's just that was just bad form. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, that is, but that is the kind of uh, when we do module on the spots um, out oh, I know. at the parks and stuff like that. That that's uh, <laughs> that that happens. When you did the um, Lucio show, at, I think it was at Volunteer Park. Yeah, and they had all the projectors and stuff set up. The other people that were there for the festival and such, they would they were standing behind you while you're performing on your easel and between the camera and the screen. So you just see this guy in like a cowboy hat, (laughs) his silhouette as he's, and he's at one point, somebody leaned in and they were practically cheek to cheek with you (laughs) while you were performing. And I thought, Oh my gosh. Glad I didn't see them at that. (laughs) Oh, you're in, you're in the zone. That's funny. Um, So what do we got on the show today? Yeah, we, uh, we're going to take a look at an oscillator, which um, we haven't done. That sounds so boring. I know. Doesn't it? No, because I mean, <laughs> that's the uh, that's the lifeblood. That's the uh, the start of things. 
and we've only really, I guess we've looked at the um, uh, dual al- algorithmic oscillator and the um, the 132, um, which is, yeah. you know, quite a, a weird one, but nothing kind of that's really solid within the canon of, of Buchla made modules. So, so we're going to take a look at the uh, Twisted Waveform Generator, model 259E. Yeah. It's it you know I was being somewhat daft. It, the funny thing about the two fifty nine e like we, we uh, discovered in our segment is it really does stand on its own. It, it don't need you don't have to modulate it with anything external except maybe pitch. Yeah, you um, you don't need effects. You don't need to run it through a low pass gate. You can just you, all those things are wonderful, but it sounds so unique and amazing and rich all on its own. So it, it's it's a blast. Yeah, so you'll get to hear that in just a little bit. And then after that, we've got Todd Barton again. Todd Barton again. Um, since we talked to him now like six, seven months ago, uh, I felt like he had just done so many things in that short amount of time. So we were just kind of going to maybe you know do a quick interview with him just to catch up and you know throw that up as like, just a little mini episode or something in the middle of the month, but we just, you know, got to Gabin and it kind of went on for a bit. It's like, well, let's just make this a full episode. So, um, yeah. And he, you know, he's, we talk about him in every episode. It almost seems like a running gag, but it's really because he's just such an awesome person and such a great part of the community. And as a friend of the show, you know, we've, we've learned so much from him, both, from you know the content that he creates and then his direct contributions and chatting with us. Um, I do need to issue a disclaimer though, Kyle. When we recorded the conversation with Todd, I was having some hearing problems. So there are times when it se- where I'm interrupting him and that was not intentional, just, just in case anyone listens to that and thinks, Dan Robert sure is rude for talking over Todd. You know, it's like first he interrupts him in the middle of the show just to check out. <laughs> His, his module. <laughs> now he's he's now he's doing it on our show too. Just give the guy what a break. Of, Come on, man. What kind of mic is that? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, also, a little disclaimer. I mean, we we did record this kind of like a month ago, and we were kind of hoping to put this out earlier. So we've held on to it a little bit in time for this episode. Um, so a little bit of what we talk about. He's got a journey that he's currently on um, from he went to New York and played some events and now he's in Europe. So, um, so yeah, a bit of those dates and stuff have unfortunately already passed, but, um, but yeah, definitely check out his website and his Instagram at, at synth Todd um, to, to follow him on his travels. Um, So yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the 259E. All right. 259E Twisted Waveform Generator. This is um, a really cool module. Kyle and I have been talking about this module for a long time, doing an episode about it. and Because we haven't a- really done, other than the uh, 132 that we did with the MEMS guys, we haven't really looked at an oscillator yet. That's right. Which is kind of interesting that we've gone eight episodes in without doing like a main <laughs> sound That's source. True. So it's kind of back to b- basics. It is anyway. with like the most non-basic yeah. oscillator out there. Yeah, probably one of the more popular Buchla oscillators 
out there. I'm sure they've sold more of this than maybe any oscillator. Um, just yeah. because it's been out for over 10 years. And it's not like the old, the 100 series and 200 series were being sold for, um, I, I, I guess I would think at this point, the, the 200E series has, has been in production for longer than either the 100 or the 200 series wow, were. yeah, I think you're right. So then other than maybe the oscillator and the easel, because I, I have to, we'll have to get Eric back on here. It'd be, and I'm just interested in, in hearing you know what does sell like what are <laughs> what are people buying we can only assume from other people that we talk to and, and hear about their their setups um but i don't think you're going to find a 200e system without it yeah and if you don't have it you want it it seems like it um i think this was so th this was in the first batch of the 200e system we were looking at a sound on sound article from 2005 I yeah think, and it had the 259e and back then it was called the complex waveform generator there was no 261e yet and then the 261e came later and kyle and i were just talking about why that is and we have a whole bunch of ideas we actually don't know the truth but um and when, when we get into the how the 259e works we'll, we can talk about that a little bit too i think that might be fun mm -hmm. So back then there was the 259E complex waveform generator and the 260E duophonic pitch class generator. And those were the two main sound sources at the time. Yeah, which is interesting that the 260 was one of the main sound sources because it's so funky. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and that was in the old firmware when the CV inputs did something different than just um, cycling through the... the um, the pitch classes, but that's for another show. So fast forward 15 years later, good night, man. Mm -hmm. And now that, like Kyle was saying, the 259E is a kind of, kind of a cornerstone of any Buchla system. You'll often see it in pictures of Buchla systems of all sizes, all the way from a, you know, a Skylab up to the biggest things. And sometimes even in a little four space boat. Uh, yeah, two fifty nine, two sixty one, at the two H, two eighty one, two ninety two H, and then a percent manager or two sixty six. So, what is this thing? Kyle came over today, and I was kind of showing him how it worked, and he just reminded me that the first time you saw this was when you came over a year and a half ago, before the podcast was even a gleam in our eye. Yeah, because you were the first person I met in the greater Seattle area that uh that actually had this stuff or that was into it so um yeah that little 12 space back then i think yeah yeah it was yeah it then. was glorious and then i used this at uh, this was the primary sound source for my very first live performance with bukla at modular on the spot yeah a which, few months later. which i had pushed you into signing up for when we first met yeah and um then as we continue through story time for a moment, I kind of <laughs> fell out of love with it because my trend, my movement to Buchla came through Eurorack actually with a Sputnik system. And I really liked the 200 series sound. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't sound like, you know, quote unquote Buchla. And once from I, from that old era. Yeah. Yeah. Right. From that old era, wave folding and all that stuff. And then as my, as I, my system got bigger and I figured out what I liked, I realized there's a lot, there's a lot to this, and it 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 is very Buchla, 
in that um, Don's vision for this module was a bit different from what we saw in the 100 and the 200, while also being a natural progression, mm -hmm. especially as we get into some of the weird noises and stuff it can make. All right, enough chit-chat. Let's talk about what the module does. It is just like the 261E twisted wave or complex waveform generator. I'm going to be doing that all day. <laughs> it has two sections, a modulation oscillator and a principal oscillator. And the modulation oscillator modulates the principal oscillator, of course. And it has three different mod types, pitch, warp, and morph. Which are new to where, I guess, in like the old 259 programmable waveform yeah, generator completely. would be... Amplitude, um, and... uh, yeah, timbre, um, amplitude, pitch, and there's also a phase thing in there too. But um, phase lock, yeah. Well, the the warp and the morph are the what make this interesting because the two six the two fifty nine e is a wavetable synthesizer basically. Mm -hmm. It has two sets of wavetables A and B or one and two. How do these? They're not really labeled, are they? Memory banks, well, they're separated by green and red LEDs, so we'll call them one and two. Mm -hmm. And each bank has wavetables one through five, which have different wave types, sine and saw and, and some mixture between them. And then A, B, and C, which are the twisted parts, the fun parts. And you have a, you can morph, the way wavetable synthesis generally works is you have a set of waveforms or the wavetables and you modulate through them through morphing with an envelope or an LFO or some other kind of modulation source. And you get these sweep, these kind of timbral changes as you morph through a wavetable. In my hydrosynth, for example, I believe you can morph through 10 different wavetables mm -hmm. modulation. Well, this has two, A and B or one and two. Mm -hmm. We'll call them A and B, Kyle, because the wavetables are numbered. Okay. Except there is an A, B, and C. Oh, vague. Okay, so a b b. This is going to be like a, a one two three, and so you modulate morphing between the two wavetables or the, the two sets of wavetables. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Then warp is th this is a little bit more complicated, so I'm just going to muddle my way through it. But warp, morph, warp. <laughs> this is the Star Trek two fifty nine e. Warp. Gosh, man. <laughs> Warp changes the shape of the sinusoid, the, basically the wave, the wave shape that is modifying the wavetable shape. Okay. So let's just listen to that. You want to? Yeah. So we have, let me bring that pitch down just a little bit. Okay. So this is, we'll morph over to, we are in wavetable one in section A, wave section A the green, and this is just a sine wave. So as I turn warp, it's going to change the shape of the wave that is modifying that wave. So just makes it louder. If I morph over to the other section, it's the same exact wave because it always starts with a sound wave, it's a sine wave. Okay. So now let's change a wavetable. We'll change green to two. Oh, that's really, bring that down just a little bit. There we go. And then now when I warp between them, that should sound familiar, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a, a timbre knob or slider on on some of the old 200 oscillators. So I'm just going through the wavetables in green. 
and then back to sign. Now when I go over to red, it's a different set of wavetables. So there's one, which is a signed wave. That sounds similar, but is a little bit more muted in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, seems like it's just more upper harmonics are kind yeah. of... I like that one. Mm -hmm. Oh, what's that? Goodness. <laughs> have we stumbled upon the twisted section? We have, but we'll come back to that in a minute. <laughs> so a real simple patch here. Let's say we'll choose that waveform for red, that wavetable, and then we'll choose that wavetable for green. So now when I modulate, I'm cycling through here. So now you're using the uh, the modulation oscillator to morph between them. Yeah. So it's in. Um, yeah. So we've kind of got a low f frequency. Well, now you're moving it up. I'm just kind of pressing buttons. But yeah, if you kind of go low, so this is like on a square, a square wave. wave. Yep. Maybe let's go to triangle just to hear it. So that's just shifting between the two sides. Morphing. Morphing between yes, the two. Between wave, the two yeah. waves. And you can hear how. That's um, red, and then it morphs over to green, and they overlap. Yeah. And then you only hear one. You know, you hear red, then it morphs into green, and you hear both, and then you only hear green. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so now, when we warp, we're going to modulate warp. So this is going both between morph and warp. So it's yep. doing them both at the same time. And only green is going to have the warp. Yeah. I mean, Wait, only red's going to have the warp because mm -hmm. warp is set all the way to fully counterclockwise. Mm -hmm. So as the modulation oscillator moves up through warp, it starts at green, which is no warp. And then as it moves into red, red gets the full warp. Yeah. So we could potentially, if we used, um, if we, because there is a CV out of the modulation oscillator, um, if we didn't have it set internally to do that, we could go into the... Um, can we maybe try and have it come yeah. into here? Would that change it? And then if we had it go down, we use the uh, the um, attenuverter to shift it the opposite Okay, way. so I so attached CV out from the modosk into the CV in for warp. Let's see what happens. Oh, let me... Yep, there you go. Yeah, so just kind of opposite where we... Yeah, now green is warped for sure. But I think... That's no warp. That's full warp. Oh yeah, hear, hear how different green sounds when mm -hmm. it's warped. Now you could turn from, could turn the morph knob to like nine o'clock. Oh yeah, and then you've got that offset already working. And then set pit or warp to like noon. You're getting kind of a heavy, the heavy, the warp is heavy on green because mm -hmm. it's mostly sitting in green. So I guess that's all just to say, um, yeah, it's cool to sometimes explore with the external CV outs of the 
oscillators that come back in. Um, instead of internally patching it too, you can sometimes um, mess with the functions a little bit further. And we, we were talking about that. It, this is one of those things where I could find out, but I kind of like not knowing. But is the <laughs> frequency of the... The ignorance of bliss it's, it's mode? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun to not know. And, and then somebody can write into the show and let us know. The frequency output of the CV, this frequency of the CV output of a modulation oscillator, is it this exactly the same as the audio out for the mm -hmm. modulation oscillator? And I've I could look at my oscilloscope and find out for sure, but it's kind of fun to try to figure that out. But if we modulated anything with the CV output, will it have the same range as the audio output? Well, well, what are we modulating with the audio output? You can modulate the frequency of the principal oscillator using FM mm -hmm. with the audio output of the modulation oscillator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, let's hear what that sounds like, actually. This is nice and slow. I'm going to leave that on green. So turning the FM kind of all the way up. Oh, that sounds like that classic. Um, oh man, you know that song from the the early '80s? It's in "I Dream of Wires." I think that <laughs> it's that guy. Uh, man, I'm just totally spacing on it. Oh, gosh, he talks in it. I'll have to find that out. And then I'll, <laughs> I'll mention. So we were going to do a bad overdub where yeah. you just say it mono, like very monotone. It's that song over. by Warm Leatherette by The Normal. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll find out and we'll, we'll do it in the intro, but that's driving me crazy now. So the range of this, I've got FM turned all the way up to. Yeah, but we should uh, jack up the uh, the actual. But isn't but isn't interesting? So getting the full range of the wave into FM with it turned up to ten. But if I turn it down to like four, it's still the same low, right? But now it's like if the wave went from zero to ten or one to ten. Yeah, it's always going to have that bass. So we're kind of no. peaking it at four now. So let's turn up the back to ten. Now we're going to crank up the modulation oscillator. Yeah, we'll turn it to high rate. Change the wave shape, maybe. So. Now we'll morph and we'll warp. That sounds pretty twisted. <laughs> But we could also be doing this internally with, um, with, with the pitch modulation too, right? Kind of, yeah. Let's do that. Slightly different. Mm -hmm. Let's come back. Let me turn warp down, and we'll just let me go down to a sine wave, okay? Not quite enough audit. Ooh. That's a nice, a nice square. 
So I could easily replicate that on my 258E FM oscillator because that's just a very simple, high audio rate, uh, square wave FMing the, the, or modulating pitch, mm -hmm. which isn't the same as FM, but that's okay. That's a conversation for another show. Are you ready? You know what? This is the twisted waveform generator. I think it's really time to get twisted. Get twisted. FM is cool. I love <laughs> FM. AM is cool. All, all of the M's are great. But now we need to do something cockamamie, right? So maybe bring it back down to 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 zero point, if we will. Yeah. So I'm putting wavetable green into bank C, and I'm going to put wavetable red into bank C. Now, what does that mean? Banks A, B, and C, unlike banks one through six, five, five. one through five, they don't store wavetables. It's the manual calls it the portions of the operating program. Now, I think of that as kind of the space between the wavetables in a way. Um, okay. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, you're, you're hearing, as you morph between two wavetables, you're going to hear a nice transition between them. But with bank C, you're morphing between all the stuff, all the code between yeah, so the wavetables. It's, it's actually like the firmware that it's yeah it's pulling this information from and you get it on both the modulation oscillator and the principal oscillator so you get a bank of just like you do with the banks one through five which are going to be on the principal oscillator only mm -hmm. now you get a weird operating program thing that you can output from that you can control with the modulation oscillator and the principal oscillator. Now that's a little confusing, but when Don originally made this, the 259E, he didn't have A, B, and C banks with that operating program stuff in it. It yeah. just had the, the little knobs at the bottom with an FM input were just FM. But later when he revised this to make it into the twisted waveform generator and then released the 261E complex waveform generator, he added in that weird operating program stuff in those three banks. And then reuse well, I guess dual functioned the FM inputs and knob to be memskew. Yes. So memskew is, I guess, skewing through the memory of the operating. So the code is stored into memory, and then this thing skews through it, which means when you turn this off and back on, you don't get the same sounds that you did before. Mm. Now in the UX. I see a green light above memskew in the modulation oscillator and a red light above memskew in the principal oscillator, mm -hmm. which is to indicate that the left knob controls memskew for bank green mm -hmm. or section green, <laughs> bank C, and the red one. All right. I love to talk about this, but I'm realizing that we should just hear it. <laughs> so let's bring, we've got volume there. I'm gonna be green Actually, only. What do we? What? What do? We, what I miss? It's a yeah. It all comes out of the. All the sounds come out of the principal oscillator. Mm -hmm. We're just going to um, mix between. It'll be mixed between the two different wavetables. Are we in between a wave? Not yet. That? Now we are. Yeah. So I'm turning the Minsky knob for green. Slowly. Oh, we can kind of hear that. 
you can hear the. I'm turning the knob really slowly, but there's so many sounds in there that. Yeah, so you just in. went from zero to. Five? Five now, yeah, so you're about halfway up. I'm going as slow as I can. I'm, I'm just using basically my, my natural energy. <laughs> Turn it up a little faster. You can hear a lot of stuff in there. So that's just bank C of green. Mm -hmm. Now when I do that for bank C of red, we'll have a completely different set of sounds. And that's with warp at zero. Yes. And there are little moments of silence in there. Now, so if you change the bank to a different one, you get a different set of sounds. Wild. So, and that's without the warp up. So let's get one and then going. So this is green with warp maxed up. You know what? Let me, um, I'm going to modulate warp with the modulation oscillator so we can hear that, that change. So it's just modulating warp. without this song, right? Oh, yeah, thanks. Oh, that sounds kind of like one of the other ones. Yeah. But then we can also go more between the two yep. sides. So if we get two chaos. So now I'm morphing, I'm modulating a um, morph and warp, and so I'll circle through some wavetables in red. Make that a little bit faster. For gnarly's sake, I'm going to turn down the pitch of the. Uh, this? Yeah. Oh, great. There we go. It's so cool, so fast. <laughs> and now let's modulate that at an audio rate or a higher rate here. So the modulation oscillator is on triangle mode and it's now amped up to a pretty blistering rate. And you almost get, it's, it, it just suddenly, I mean, without moving this, if I turn it down, that's it. That's what it is, you know, and then when I, it's, I guess it gets twisted pretty quick. <laughs> and so if I change the 
to a different bank of twisted mode. Sounds like black metal singing. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> and it's interesting, um, the green wavetable and the twisted section is kind of tame. Mm-hmm. So I'll change that. You know what this needs? This needs modulation of Mimskew. Okay. So you're taking the um, modulation oscillators audio out into the... Well, so it's the FM input, and this is what we should talk about. I'll bring that down for a second. Um, the, I guess in past like the fm input has not had this kind of double duty of um usually an fm input is just a you know audio jack in with a knob there's not um in general like a a vca to it that or or a tenuverter or anything like that that you can then cv that amount with that's usually done internally um like on the easel uh with switch settings or um or yeah, you do it. You use like the internal um, modulation side of, of the oscillator to to adjust that for the principal. Um, but so now we're going to sweep. So it's not we're sweeping the FM, or are we? Like that's what I. <laughs> um, I I don't think so. I think it is only sweeping through the memskew. The well, it says memskew, but I think it's only sweeping through the selection of the wavetables in the program code bit. Okay, so so if we have so it's basically if we don't have the um, the wave the twisted section selected, it then becomes back. It goes back to FM. Right. That's so, interesting. So check this out. Now I'm, I have the modulation oscillator in triangle mode turned all the way down. I have the more. I'm going to move the morph section over to red. So we're only going to head hear the red bank mm-hmm. and, or the red um, section with memory bank C, the twisted one, so. Okay. All right. Bring that up. So it's cycling through a a section of memory using the LFO from the modulation oscillator. So if I turn memskew, it's going to choose a different section of memory for that LFO to sample from. that's without warp warp so if I turn warp up now if we want to FM that kind of we can modulate pitch mm-hmm. do, do you hear how the the waveform that you can kind of understand is being FM'd yeah yeah yeah, because yeah, the pitch is actually changing instead of that. So, so. just silence in there. <laughs> it is interesting how it's just touchy. How you can go from silence to yeah, 
to hitting you, some. You never you get know, it the same way. To, which super you know, chaos. It's interesting because <laughs> the um, for modular on the spot, I used this patch, a version of this patch, and when I turned on the Buchla at the at, at Gasworks Park, I didn't know what the wave shapes, what you know, twisted yeah. oh, were yeah. going to be. Yeah. I had to, before the performance started, I kind of cycled through them a bit and found a section that I liked, but it was, it's, it was never the same twice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one of the things is, because Memskew is an audio input, there's no way to naturally, I guess, modulate that with CV. You have to do a tiny jacks to CV conversion of some kind. Yeah. Well, I just happened to have some tiny jacks <laughs> to... CV to uh, banana converters. Gotcha. That we could play around with. Yeah. With an LFO if you want. Yeah, or do like random or something like that. Because I mean, because we already have like an LFO. Um, I guess, but it also just goes, I mean, I guess that, because there's not a CV in for the Memskew, and I don't know, it feels like Don never compromised on design kind of space. Like, oh, he couldn't fit it in there. I don't know. Cause just because it always seems like everything has been thought of. Um, I think he was just dealing with the reality of turning this into what it is, and he couldn't really add a CV input for Memskew. Yeah, could be. Or it just like it wasn't as fully featured or something. I mean, that I don't know. It's like that's just very cool of, of what we yeah. were just doing. Um, but I don't know. Interesting to think about. Yeah, I mean, who who knows? If anybody knows, actually, please let us know. This yeah. would be really cool to know that. Why is it a design decision that he intended, or was he just kind of dealing with the UX that he shipped and you know just added an LED and a label? Mm-hmm. Um, so now we have a tiny jacks plugged into the Bimsku input or the FM input, and a banana that I'm going to hand to Kyle oh. to put anywhere he would like Yeesh, okay. in the Buchla system. Okay. I mean, I feel like I'm always just going to go to some random. Um, just don't patch to an input. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. This one's at lightingly fast speed. Yeah. Okay, just, so just I just put it into the uh, fluctuating random voltage. Um, let me bring it up. You got a bigger range. Hear that? Or maybe that's just confirmation bias. I mean, it's tough to tell. The so we have the fluctuating random voltage set to like I don't know, 0.5 or so on the range. Uh, so it's going pretty slow. Let me crank it up to like half. choose a different selection here oh there we go yeah hmm. <laughs> so it's just like adding white noise basically let's try going from the 254e control voltage processor so i'll just whoa is that just your hand yeah 
so I have the 254E. Oh, that's interesting. So the 254E is sending a constant 10 volts. And so we're all the way over to, let's say, the right of the MEMSKU. So I'll change it. Now if I turn that all the way to the left to zero, interesting yeah so yeah that is pretty cool that i mean that opens like a whole other um portion of this i mean because you're now you can be very much more accurate you kind of have two controls like let me select that portion of the wavetable and then i have 10 volts to cycle you know so this is at its lowest right and then as we move it up that so you much have more control if that's new. Yeah. Five volts. Oh, but that even, we didn't catch that. Yeah, dude, you're not getting the same sounds now. But when you move it back to zero, listen to the so we'll, So it's at zero, I'm not touching it. <laughs> We're perplexed. Yeah. That, if anyone. Th it's We're not doing anything. It's doing it on its own. <laughs> Here, listen. That's so crazy. It's kind of like it's, you know, it's kind of like, I like that somewhat randomness. You know, if we were to modulate um, in, yeah, in at a high rate, and then so that's modulating warp. And then I'll leave that off and see what happens. That's wild. I I don't know what's going on. I <laughs> some cool feedback kind yeah. of. Man, every time I use this, it's completely different. Which is, um, I guess, a blessing and a curse. If you ever wanted, <laughs> to, you know, you're like, oh, I just want some nice little wavetables to sequence through. And um, not yeah, not always sure. Well, let, yeah. you know what? We we're in twisted mode now. Let's go back into. So do you have? Did you hear that? Yeah, maybe some sort of There's some subtle like bleed, or artifact of a modulation in there. Yeah. So now it's just in a couple of normal wavetables and I'm going to take just um I need a pulse here it's pulse is too far away there we go and oops I want to just get a quantized pitch that's all So kind of the that's the quantized random I mean yeah quantized random voltage coming out of the 266e going into pitch on the 259. So you can get that I mean that's the classic bukla sound right? Mm -hmm. I'm just modulating just, pitch manually. just the warp. Yeah. 
You can't modulate timbre, which is the um, the green and the red. You can't modulate the selection of a wavetable. Mm. Have to do that manually. Now, if we go into Memskew with these. Mm -hmm. And just select them. Um, select one of them. Then you have an interesting timbre that the module has selected for you in a way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did we get that really cool industrial thing we had earlier? <laughs> <laughs> so we could do... Ooh, how about this? So you're plugging the um, audio out back out from the uh, or modulation oscillator into the FM input slash memskew of the... Uh, Principal oscillator. Sounds like you're uh, switching through FM dials or something. Kind of, um, <laughs> it's interesting, you know, it, it's just fast enough for my brain to think that there's a pattern there. Yeah. But there's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so what you have going is demodulation also, you're just going to everything right now, right? Yeah. It's going to pitch, warp, and morph. And it's still in low, and then we're min we're modulating MIMSKU with the modulation oscillator's audio output. So now I'm going to take... Well, that's kind of cool on its own. So I'm going to take the CV output from the modulation oscillator and convert that to audio rate in the MIMSKU. Oh, that seems different to me. Whoa, it's slowing down. Yeah. Hmm. The plot thickens. Hmm. <laughs> Go back to the way that was. Wow, it's so wild how it, when you remove the modulation source, it's almost like there's um, a continuation of the modulation until it runs out. Mm hmm which is kind of like what we found with that memskew kind of drifting when we pulled out that yeah that cb into it okay all right so That's a good one. That's the Todd Barton 259E patch. <laughs> this is 
adjust the uh, modulation oscillator audio output going to the MIM skew input for red. And the modulation oscillator is turned all the way down, so it's just on a square wave kind of cycling between those. It sounds really cool. Now if you modulate warp, let me just tilt this slightly different set of tubes. and warp. There we go. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's got a bit of a Terminator 2 vibe. So if we did CV into pitch on the modulation oscillator, we could get some semblance of a BPM and have this be per, a percussive, kind of a percussive sound, mm-hmm. like an industrial percussive sound. Which I feel like I hear this oscillator being used a lot for aggressive, like percussive hits. Yeah. Because obviously you can get some gnarly stuff out of it. There, look, this one's interesting. So, I mean, yeah, what's so cool about it, it's like, this is all just within the module. We don't have yeah. any other CB or anything. We're not even sending this to the 292. This is going right out to the mixer. Yeah. So, I can I can see why starting with this oscillator, if you're, like, getting into Buchla and not maybe going the easel route or looking for something to pair with your easel, another sound source, this is <laughs> pretty amazing. Set of simple wavetables there. Completely different campers mm-hmm. by choosing the quote unquote normal wavetables from bank, banks two and three, three and four. Hmm. And then it goes gnarly again. Oh, formant kind of stuff on that. <laughs> Isn't it wild? I think it's a. I think it's one of the essentials. It's a lot of fun. Well, um, let's talk to the guy who introduced me to the wonders of this module with this amazing patch. Again. Again. Todd, thanks for for coming back and hanging out with us. Um, My pleasure. It's it's great to be with you guys. Yeah, it was a. Uh, uh, we were just chatting before. It's been six months uh, since we put out the podcast. So um, and chatted with you, uh, except for seeing you at, at Velocity uh, a couple months ago. But you've done so much in the past six months since we did talk to you. <laughs> we thought it would be fun to kind of catch up. So. Um, Overall, how how are you doing? Uh, doing great. Uh, getting, you know, I just had a CD come out uh, that I'm really proud of. And then, uh, gee, 
there's more news on that, but we'll talk about that later. But I'm getting ready to go to uh, New York and uh, Europe to do some workshops and concerts and just hang out. So that's exciting. Nice. Well, yeah, I guess let's let's start at maybe the the recordings. Um, so Spaces, uh, that was released on Flag Day Recordings, uh, that came out in the beginning of November. Um, and how, how did that come about? Uh, well, Billy Pizarro at uh, Flag Day just uh, sought me out and asked if I would like to do a solo album. And I said, sure. So um, then... Oh, I, I probably spent about six months on it, on and off, amid my rather busy schedule. Um, but mm-hmm. I had a lot of time to put it together, and I really enjoyed, you know, actually composing. Um, a lot of my albums up to this point had been, uh, you know, recordings of like improvised live sets or just improvised in the studio, one long take. So it was mm-hmm. nice to sit down in the DAW and uh, actually you know, get very precise about things. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Was was there any certain things you had in mind in the way or um, to composing this? Because it's, it's four tracks, um, and the, the first one is, is about 14 or 15 minutes long, uh, mm-hmm. very sprawling, kind of quite the journey you take us on for that one. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the uh, particle field tracks, uh, one, two, and three, right afterwards and so mm-hmm. i guess what how um uh, how do you kind of conceive of those and splitting those up ah uh, well originally uh, we were talking about possibly um vinyl so uh, you know ah, it, was, okay. it was like so i was thinking in terms of two sides but uh, that uh, or so that didn't happen but it, it came out on cd and of course download Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the first one, it's all, well, all of them use Buchla and some Hordike, uh, some stereo, a little stereo field and also Metasynth, which is a program I was sort of in on at the ground floor back in the late nineties, early two thousands, which is a software program that you can mm-hmm. actually just, uh, basically draw like Photoshop. Uh, on your screen and have it turn into sound. So, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, and you can also take uh, pre-recorded sound and process it through all sorts of wild visual filters that then do audio things. So um, that's deep down under uh, all these tracks are some of my Easel and Bukla two hundred. Uh, tracks being uh, transformed through medicine but the okay. surface the surface is all uh, sort of real time <laughs> mm-hmm. if you and so for the um i guess when using the hordike we haven't really talked about that i mean maybe because we're mainly a, a bukla <laughs> show <laughs> um but i'm wondering um if I mean, I guess it is just a different system, so you're going to patch on it differently. But do you kind of take things, um, maybe after patching on the Hordike system for a while, um, are there different kind of headspaces that you get in that you could then transfer over to your Buchla system or vice versa? Uh, 
That's a good question. Um, in a way, I mean, I, it does, op you know, Don's system is so well thought out. Mm -hmm. And so is Rob Hordyke's and so is Surge's. They are all complete systems in themselves. And of course, I can take inspiration from each of them, but direct translation uh, is not possible in my, yeah, at least in my mind. It's like, uh, you know, ancient Greek to English is, <laughs> yeah, you can get there. And if you're going to talk Aramaic, it gets a little weirder. And then if you're talking hieroglyphics to English, it even, you know, um, you sort of have to be in this, or I, I, I personally have to be in the system. Like when I'm in Hordike, I am totally in Hordike. And yeah. Pretty much. In, I, it's rare that I even actually cross-pollinate them, you know, have, have I, I have, you know, driven them all at the same time. But mm -hmm. I guess I just, I prefer being in single universes at a time. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And so I guess that's interesting. Um, if so, is there on the the tracks for? Um, are you saying every instrument is kind of on each track, or up for the on spaces? Um, uh, yeah, I'd pro I think the first track, Nebula uh, seven point two four nine, is mostly Buchla and um, Metasynth. Uh, you know, Easel and two hundred and some 100 mm -hmm. uh and then the particles uh more hordike and uh more 200e i'd say okay with with some medicine and other things thrown mm -hmm. in but mm -hmm. you know it's... um in your in fact I, oh. I i actually i think track particle one is almost a single pass and it's all hordike that's sort okay. of what inspired the, the rest of them yeah, I love that that one. Um, I think I told you, maybe mentioned on the show. I feel like it's a um, what was it? An exploration on effervescence. Is <laughs> I love all the, the pops. <laughs> yes, on right. That one. Yes. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, and that's just sort of going. That's just live Hordike going through fa it, its own phase shifter and things, mm -hmm. and, and uh, yeah, Twin Peaks. So. Very cool. Um, and then your your daughter Ursula did the artwork for this one um yeah it's amazing i had to i had to get the cd to get the full effect of it um uh -huh. did you work with her on that or did she just have an idea in her head and she ran with it uh yeah she had an idea in her head and ran with it i mean that's that's the way we always work i i'm not even not even a manager definitely not a micromanager <laughs> and um yeah, she put it on infinite loop for a day or two and just ah. went for it. Uh, and, you know, there's clearly references to Easel because, you know, she's been around me and, and all my gear for decades. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was cool to see the, the shorting bars and, uh, <laughs> and uh, banana yeah. jacks and whatnot. It was very cool. Great. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful piece. Um I have the original on my wall, so that's even cooler. Oh, nice. How big, how big is that then? It's, it's actually, um, 
about, I guess, 14 by 12, 14 by 10, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the good news is it is going to come out on vinyl. Oh, that's great. And yeah. And so that artwork will be on 12 inch by 12 inch. Awesome. You know, yeah. LP art. So it'll that'll be like at size. Very cool. And so will that be through Flag Day too? Uh, no, it's through uh, a new label that's uh, coming out. Okay. And uh, yeah, should be out um, early part of 2020, I think. And we're actually going to sort of test the waters with a little seven inch vinyl with a couple of my booklet tracks on it. And that should be coming out, you know, before. Oh. Like, Hopefully January, February, something like okay, that. Okay, good, very good. Um, and so, uh, what else is pretty cool is then just I think it was exactly two weeks after that was released, uh, uh, "Start from Silence" came out, which was uh, right your jam with uh, Bruce uh, Baird and uh, Nathan Moody. Um, and yeah, Nathan kind of talked about it on uh, when we talked with him on on the episode we did with him mm-hmm. a couple months ago. But uh, tell us about uh, that evening, I guess. It was all it was all done in one evening, correct? Uh, it was all, yeah, all done in one evening. It was the first time I'd ever met Nathan. I mean, we, you know, communicated uh, in the ether for mm-hmm. quite a while, but uh, never met. And he was on his way to Velocity and wondered if he could stop by. And I said, well, why don't you stop by for dinner? And so he showed up around 4 o'clock. We chatted, had some dinner. Uh, Bruce joined us right after that. Uh, and I told him to bring his easel and I asked Nathan if he wanted to jam and we came down here in the basement and set up two amps and um, went for it. And it was just sort of magical. It like all worked. <laughs> <laughs> and having never, I mean, and nobody said anything, I, you know, other than I said, well, let's just start from silence mm-hmm. as opposed to let's have a game plan. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that, so, um, it's amazing because listening to it, I mean, it does seem like you are all three are kind of moving as a unit. Um, mm-hmm. and there's not, doesn't feel like anybody's mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> stepping on one another's toes mm-hmm. or, or getting kind of too far off base, if you will. Yeah, yeah, there, it, we were all really listening and tuned in. So that was, you know, sort of magical. That's great. And also, uh, Bruce did the artwork for that one too, right? Yes. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, yeah. When, I guess, how do, you, how do you know Bruce and how did that relationship start? Ah, oh, boy, that, boy, that goes back at least 15, maybe more years. Um, I, I, I can't exactly remember when we first met, but soon I, I was traveling in a lot of art circles around here. Mm-hmm. And that may have been, he came to like a, there were five or six artists that got together and um, interpreted a piece of music of mine. And it was up in a gallery. It was a gallery show. And I think maybe Bruce came to that. And mm. Yeah, we met. And then uh, soon after I had uh, 
this group formed called Song Luminescence, which was with Su Susie Greeley, who was a modern dancer, um, and Terry Longshore, who teaches percussion at the university, and Michael Mag, who was the master electrician lighting guy at the Shakespeare Festival, and uh -huh. myself. And we would do free improv. So Michael would improvise video and lights, and Susie would improvise dance. Terry and I would do electronics and percussion. Wow. And he also had like a hand sonic, so he was doing electronics as well. And uh, Bruce said, oh, I'm you know, happy to do some art for that. And then I found out that he was uh, sort of secretly playing cello through a bunch of uh, effects pedals. And I said, well, why don't you join us? And I don't think he did the first year. The second year he did, but he wanted to be in the background and not lit. So <laughs> we said, okay. <laughs> so over the years, uh, he has uh, emerged as a, you know, as a, as a full-blown musician. And uh, yeah, he started doing easel about the time the, the Bemi easel came out, like 2013. Mm -hmm. And we've been perform, you know, performing, and just every Saturday we get together with what we call CVT, which stands for Control Voltage Therapy. It's our Saturday <laughs> morning jam and therapy session. So that's a great idea. You guys were kind of on a tear, or you were uploading those videos. I remember a couple of years ago, and that was always fun to kind oh, of yeah. see that progression and what you guys would come up from week <laughs> with from week to week, right? Yeah, and that was a time where at the at the university at the Schneider Art Museum, every third Friday we got to perform there and take over their space, which is like four huge wow. rooms. And so we did quadraphonic, but we put a speaker, a different, you know, a speaker in each room. So I mean, speakers were you know upwards of seventy-five to eighty feet apart, oh, wow. and we could actually make the sound go from a room that you couldn't even see and sounded very far away and then have it come sweeping through the audience and go through the audience and end up out in the lobby. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so was it kind of interactive? Like people yeah. would weren't necessarily sat, like kind of placed in front of you? Right. No, you, yeah, no, you, everyone could wander around. So you could go just hear what the speaker's doing in the back room <laughs> if you wanted to. <laughs> Robert, we got to get on that. That sounds fun. Speakers that are 70 feet apart. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... In different rooms, yeah. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's like modular on two spots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two, two adjoining parks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> um, so you went to KnobCon... Um, and you're both a presenter there and representing uh, Buchla USA on the kind of trade show floor. Uh, and you got to mm -hmm. um, mess around with the new 100 series reissue, um, the full-size ones, uh, not just the red, red panel ones. Yes. Um, how was that whole event for you? Oh, that was, that was great. Yeah, I mean, I loved... I mean, it was a, a big... Um, wonderful time at Buchla USA because they brought out also the command center, the 208C. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, they had the red panel, which it all had. And then, yeah, then the two cabinet 
full-size 100 based on the San Francisco Tape Music Center, Buclo 100. And um, yeah, so, I mean, it was, uh, you know, in Buclo heaven <laughs> that, that weekend. And uh, that was the second time I had worked on that, um, the new Buclo 100, uh, because Buclo USA brought Morton Sabotnik and I down to uh, Mills College last April along with Yoon, who designed, you know, from Sweden, who designed yeah. that 100. And so the three of us and more uh, sat in a little room with the original Buclo San Francisco Tape Music Center mm -hmm. uh, and the new one and just A-B'd them and played and, you know, and basically it was more... Uh, you know, definitely holding court, which was wonderful <laughs> as he was patching up the new one and uh, going, oh, yeah, this is how I did it. Silver apples on the moon. Watch this. Okay, this is double gating. And now we're going to take the, you know, the 146 to, to audio rate. Here we go. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> That's so awesome that he yeah. can recall that from. Yeah, it was, it was a trip. So, Yeah. So it was great there at Mills, and it was, of course, great at KnobCon. And uh, Ashley Puente and Wes and uh, Charles Seeholzer, who were, uh, you know, the they were really holding down the fort. Uh, they're the young whippersnappers at Buchel USA, <laughs> and they're all highly talented. And uh, Ashley was actually graduated from Mills and was sort of in charge of the original Buchel 100 for her four years there. Oh, cool. So she actually got in and, you know, maintained it and uh, patched it. So it was a blast watching her work on the new Buclo 100 because she was incredibly fast and, uh, and imaginative. So a life is good. <laughs> That's great. And Buclo land. And um, yeah, no, Char I think, I think Char Charles Seeholzer, um, went to evergreen state college which they've got a big yes. 200 system over there um so it's cool to see these people that you know worked on these systems in college now working for for buka usa it's pretty neat yeah yeah no, really charles has a great. history with them for sure yeah Going yeah back. he was doing tech and did some some design even for them back yeah I'm Before Bukla, USA. Yeah, I'm hoping that they, yeah, he gets more of his designs and some new stuff. That would be cool to, to see. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what? Let's see. And then, man, there's so much stuff. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you started a Patreon then shortly after, um, a Patreon page after we talked too. Um, so yeah, just yeah. kind of wondering how, how that's been going. That's been going great. Um, you know, I knew about Patreon, I guess, I don't know, years ago when it came out, but I, I couldn't sort of figure out a way to make it feel authentic for me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, so it's taken me a long time, but, uh, I think I found the path and I'm basically just keep doing what I'm doing, but it's, uh. Uh, wonderful to share and touch base with all these different people that are out there. And uh, uh, yeah, it, it seems to have taken off. I'm knocking on wood somewhere. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, I love continuing to build the content and also have dialogues with folks along the way. Uh, in fact, I was just uh, one of my patrons uh, had a Skype session yesterday, and he was saying, you know, man, when I got the Buchla, the more time I spend on the Buchla, the more I find it's, he has a big uh, 200E system, just to give you mm -hmm. some context, and he goes, I find it's wiring my brain differently. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, I hear and approach sound differently because the deeper I get into Buchla is what he was saying. And I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm with him. Um, what, uh, have you, what have you been kind of exploring lately um, and, yeah, uploading to, to Patreon? Um, um, I, you know, whatever wacky thing I come up with every day. <laughs> However, uh, to be more specific, uh, I recently did a, a sequence of videos on, uh, 1979 modular yeah. uh, modules, uh, the dual algorithmic oscillator, the stereo microsound processor, the digital resonator. And, uh, it was really first time I've sort of jumped into those. I mean, I had some of those in my Euro rack as, you know, since they're based on the mutable instruments, um, what rings, braids, mm -hmm. and um, clouds. But uh, I love having it in the Buchla format where there's attenuators and, you know, banana jacks all over the place instead of having to menu dive to get to things. So uh, I, I, I've enjoyed... Uh, learning about them. And so I share my learning uh, on my Patreon and, you know, in general. Todd, you were just telling me about juggling all the different students you have um, with your your Skype sessions and, and lessons that you mm. give. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds like they're kind of all over the world. <laughs> yeah, they are. You know, Australia, Russia, Italy... England, uh, all over the United States. So, so you're you're basically up twenty four hours a day. Yeah, to I never sleep. All the <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily I wake up very early. That's just my natural state. So I mm -hmm. can. Uh, what what really goes wacky, of course, is when daylight savings time hits at different mm -hmm. countries at different times, but. It all gets worked out. And having but, to. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great having this diversity of student, client. Yeah. Is there like, um, I mean, do you, is there people that like have had their systems for a while that, that contact you or is, um, or do you have a lot of people that are just starting out? Like, is there kind of a ratio of new, new to Buchla students to people just looking to push things further? It's probably about 50-50. I mean, yeah, I have a lot of students that have had the system and know what's going on. I've also had a handful of students that, you know, bought like an 18 or 24-unit Buchla and had never done synthesis before. Oh, my God. <laughs> Head first. And, well, yeah, defense. totally. It totally into the deep end, <laughs> and luckily they had the oh um, 
patience and resilience to stick with it, you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they were up and running rather, you know, like three or four months in, they were totally getting their way around and, and it was making sense. That That's hard to wrap my head around. Cause I have a big 24 space system and a friend came over because um, we were doing a, a separate little synthesizer deal and he saw my Buchla and he was like, I'm really interested in that, but I, I can't handle that. You don't, don't even start talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, there's, uh, yeah. As I say, I've had more than one student like that. So, well, you know, and they're doing it, great. It's interesting too, Todd, because um, a couple of years ago, before Buchla USA came about, it really seemed like a lot of the Buchla conversation was um, kind of limited, or I guess most of the conversation was somewhat limited to Muffwiggler, you know, more of the Buchla enthusiasts and people who came to it, you know, would, would be there. And then over time, it seems like it has spread out quite a bit. And I see a lot more activity on Facebook and a lot uh, relatively less on Muffwiggler, really more of the technical stuff and more conversations mm -hmm. about making music and doing things. And I don't, I wouldn't really attempt to guess why that is. It's just something that I've, I've noticed that people are more people are coming to the platform, but from your perspective, since you've been teaching like this for so long, is that your experience as well? Or has it been kind of consistent in terms of, you know, your influx of students? Oh, that's a good question. I'm having to, rifle through the uh, memory data banks there. I mean, when I first started, when I, I first- have a preset lockup. <laughs> uh, uh, um, so, uh, <laughs> me too. Uh, you know, when I first started out, all I was offering was Buchla. And uh, so, you know, it, it I, uh, and this was like seven, eight years ago, something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, Robert, and I think it's true. I think it has sort of expanded and opened up. And, uh, that's been my feeling as well. So, and I, you know, I've also started doing Hordike and Surge, and then people ask me if I do Eurorack, and I go, well, yeah, but I mean, most of my Eurorack is a random source surge and make noise <laughs> modules that are very, you know, Buclidian in their, or surge in their, uh, clearly surge in their design. So I know that that sort of Eurorack. So actually a lot of my students now are Eurorack that want to mm. understand Buchla mind. Mm. And so they're just applying it to their, to their Eurorack setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the, having the podcast has, I guess, led more people to talk to me directly about Bukla and what they can do with it if they already have some or if they want to get into it. Um, like I have a module for sale that I won't push on the show, but the price is like $600. <laughs> and someone was saying, well, that's really cheap for Bukla. Could I start with that? Hmm. And I was like, well, no, it's a 1979 <laughs> SMP. It's basically, you know, <laughs> it's the SMP. Like, no, you, can, right. you can't start with that. Right, right, right. But the, you know, the willingness, the desire is is there, which I thought was really is really cool. Yeah, 
I'd love to see people get into it more. It doesn't need to be an exclusive club. Absolutely. And also along those lines, I often get comments uh, on, you know, like I'm continually popping out videos uh, and they're saying, you know, I I don't have a boot club, but um, I've learned so much just watching your videos. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess it is actually in encounter to what I was saying earlier, <laughs> which is, <laughs> you know, clearly people are able to glean, uh, uh, you know, some strategies and techniques and tactics from just the Bukla mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I could see that for sure, especially with control voltage processing, which is something I mm-hmm. learned a lot about from your videos, you know, Bukla or mm-hmm. otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and well, yeah. obviously, yeah, I, I've probably seen basically everything that you've you've put out, but but then also, <laughs> I will you know uh, digest stuff from you know obviously like Tim on his podcast and and Ben Wilson on on mm-hmm. uh, his YouTube videos because you know it's all I mean there's a lot of modules like the uh, uh, before getting the the um, the two seventy seven delay module. Um, there's just not a lot of content out for that and or not I haven't really seen it used a lot so I would watch um, videos of like the Sputnik the Eurorack version of it like on, mm-hmm. on um on Ben Wilson's show um, just to get a better idea mm-hmm. of like how how to use the thing and that helped a lot too so um yeah and and yeah we get comments of of people that you know don't don't own Bukla, um but but are learning stuff from it and are still into the show. Absolutely. Yeah, they, I just like hearing about it. And just ner- nerds talking, I guess, you know? We all need our, our fill. Yeah. <laughs> Back to something you you said, uh, by the way, thanks for your, both of you, your kind praise at the end of Nathan Moody's uh, podcast. I appreciated the, oh, yeah. the shout out. Of course. And uh, you mentioned sort of me being a philosopher, Robert. And, uh, you know, I, yeah. I think uh, I think the deeper everybody gets into this, the more philosophical they become. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's a, a way through um, the, in a way, modular mania, which we all have. And, you know, it, uh, trying to understand the bigger view, if you will, of uh how we're all just pushing electrons around and sculpting electrons. Um, and it sort of doesn't matter <laughs> what what the form figure footprint is. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it ties to the question that I was about to ask because earlier we were talking about, you know, Hordike and Surge and Bukla and not really kind of mixing them together. And mm-hmm. I have this big Moog unit system. It's like uh, 66 spaces of you know, in the 5 view format. And I have never been able to successfully use Bukla and that at the same time. It just, not to say that one couldn't, but I just can't really connect the timbres and the styles. Mm-hmm. And then when I use the 5 view by itself, it's patching philosophy and such is so different from what I'm accustomed to with Bukla and what I've gotten used to and, and sort of embraced, you know, and mm-hmm. like a, 
I hate to say this, but like the culture of bukla patching, which is really the only mm-hmm. way I can kind of explain it. But it's mm-hmm. been hard to to do that, and and but at the same time, it's a limitation because if I only patch in bukla, if I only stay there, then there's this whole world of other sounds and such that you know are closed off if if one were to only stay, unless that's what one wants to do, of course. But the right, well, trying to cross patch them has been very frustrating, so I stopped doing that. And then I realized I needed to have a mindset of what kind of piece I want to compose and what sound mm-hmm. characteristics and feelings and such that that has and choose the instrument that suits that instead of picking up a violin and trying to do percussion with it, you know, to use a very similar, <laughs> very silly analogy. Well, yeah, and, and totally going down that 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 simile and analogy, it's like I think you hit it on the nail when you said, which instrument do you want to use? Because I see the bukla as, or the moog, or the surge, or the hordike, or, you know, make noise shared system, as an instrument, as cohesive as any instrument. You know, and for me, the easel is it. And I've learned to play the easel uh, like I used to play the trumpet. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's like uh, decades of, of uh, technique and stu- technique study and you know performance Muscle practice. memory. And, um, yeah, exactly. Just pulling that all together around the easel. Um, so yeah, the uh, as you just put it, Robert. I mean, if you know, if I was a violin player, I could not expect to take that technique and that mindset. And pick up a saxophone and play it as well as I've been playing the yeah. violin for twenty years. Yeah, right. I mean, it's maybe not that drastic between Moog and Bukla and these Sometimes. others. Sometimes, but uh, but I I think to really deep dive and to embody it, like Kyle was saying, with muscle memory, it takes a long time mm-hmm. for each mindset. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I still haven't gotten to the end of Bukla mindset. So. Well, I think somewhere out there is an experimental musician that's going to listen to this podcast and hear me say that one cannot use a violin for percussion and say, well, you can, <laughs> but only only once. <laughs> then it's not a percussive well, uh, instrument anymore. Well, uh, well, however, or, or they will cite um, George Crumb's Black Angels, which is all percussive techniques and amplified string quartet. So. Cool. <laughs> I, I think if I were to take my wife's viola and smash my 24 year with it and record that, I'm not sure. There's a, I've been joking with a friend, there's a reason it's called free jazz because nobody's going to pay for it. Ooh, <laughs> hard. <laughs> but I digress. Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. It's up to you as to whether you want to leave that in the show. I don't know. My my friend, he's a saxophonist and he was in a free jazz band and um, they had a record come out. It's gotten a lot of great press. Rolling Stone did this really great write-up on it because it had some legendary musicians in it, um, legendary jazz musicians. And my friend and I were talking about sort of this imposter syndrome stuff as to whether the album is successful because those gentlemen were on it or is it successful because 
those gentlemen were on it. Like, you know what I mean? There's one where they're famous and successful and that brings the record up. But then there's the other perspective where my friend is at the top of his game because he's performing with these two other people that are, mm-hmm. you know, that are the, the amazing. So it's sort of mm-hmm. like, are you listening to the best guitarist or are you singing your best vocals because you're with Jimmy Page or something? It's been... Mm-hmm. He and I have all these deep philosophical music theory and musicology discussions mm-hmm. that I should, mm-hmm. I'll save those for that and not bring them to the show so much, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, I mean, you're describing a symbiosis, so, I mean, you can't say one or the other, really. Yeah, because you can't have. Yeah. They're, they're interactive. You can't have one I mean, without the other. You can, you can say it, but <laughs> I, I don't know energetically, you know, it seems like both things are happening simultaneously. Yeah. And it's very different experience to sit down with sheet music. I, I played trumpet just, just in high school. So nothing pro by any means, but you know, you get your trumpet part and you're not even paying attention to what everybody else's sheet music is because you're just playing the trumpet part, treble clef and mm-hmm. all of that. And you learn it and you practice it and play it over and over. And then you go to the, the the concert and you play your part. But it's so different to be in a room with other musicians where you have a, a bass composition. You know, maybe you have in mind what a melody is, but then you're improvising the rest of it. And, mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you know, you're just playing with musicians that can listen to each other and, and take the... Um, take the musical conversation into places that you didn't anticipate. You didn't, you didn't write down on sheet music. And right. That's yeah. fascinating to see. I haven't experienced that as much myself, but I've watched a lot of other yeah. people do it and it's it's really fascinating to see the visual cues Absolutely. and the musical cues and the gestures. But that kind of brings us back a little bit to your jam with Nathan and um Bruce. So, mm. at least I'm tying mm-hmm. it back to that somehow. Mm. Good job, Robert. Okay. <laughs> it's what I do. That yeah, was like like a, a total free jam, free free improv. That you yeah, pulled it right back. Well, go. I have a lot. Of, I, I have a lot of a lot of soliloquies. That's hard to say. I have a lot of soliloquies. Great, you you and Hamlet, huh? Okay, <laughs> but I'm not holding Kyle's skull. <laughs> To be or not to be, Robert. Oh, is the um, did you, okay. when, when you were, because so, uh, um, in your previous job, you were composing for the Ashland Shakespeare Spe- uh, Festival, right? Yeah, yeah. the Oregon Shakespeare um, Festival. Yeah. Did you, were you still doing it when you had your bukla? And did that ever make its way uh, in there? Yeah, I mean, I had my I had my surge in '79, oh, okay, yeah. so yeah, surge made it in every now and then, and then Buchland 2004, 2006, they would make it in, but it would depend on what you know, where the score was going for each individual production mm-hmm. of you know either Shakespeare play or modern you know modern plays or classics, uh, and it depended you know on the director's sensibilities yeah. and. Sometimes they actually wanted that. Other times uh, they, you know, gave me general poetic composerly license. And so, you know, it showed Mm -hmm. up. But uh, no, I wasn't being used regularly. Um, Yeah, I just always think how interesting it is how you're, you have, you know, kind of Baroque music on one end and then, you know, highly Mm -hmm. 
future music on the other. It's just such <laughs> such a wide range. It's so cool. Uh, thanks. I enjoy it. <laughs> um, so you're uh, you mentioned kind of at the top of this. Uh, you got some travel plans coming up. Are you going to be doing shows? Uh, yeah, actually, I'll I fly to New York in early January, and I'm playing at Roulette in Brooklyn with uh, sharing the evening with Robert Aki Opry Lowe and uh, Rochelle Ramey, who's a poet and electronic cool. musician. So I'll be doing uh, a solo set, and then Rochelle and I'll do like poetry, uh, sort of free jam poetry nice. and electronics. And then Robert will do a solo set, and then I suggested we all do a solo, you know, do a jam at the end. So that, that's fun. great. And then you said yeah. you're then you're going going to yeah. and that's or, yeah. Do you have a specific yeah. date for that yet, or should yeah. people? Oh yeah, it's uh, January twelfth. Okay. Uh, I'll send you a link. Uh, and then the next night, I'm playing at the Sunview Luncheonette and sharing the bill with Laraji. He'll be doing the other set. Oh, and that's January thirteenth, and then off to uh, off to Europe and home basing in Carrara, Italy. Wow! Um, for mid January to mid March, and I've got workshops and gigs in Rome, uh, Turin, Brussels, Amsterdam, and waiting to hear on London and Bologna. So. Other than that, hopefully getting <laughs> yeah, well, very cool. So yeah, two months there. That'll be yeah, it'll be quite the experience. That's great. Yeah, I'm looking. Are you to are you just bringing your easel for that or? Yeah, I'm bring bringing my easel and my lunchbox, which has a um, morphogene make noise morphogene and a IntelliGel planner two, and uh, a looper and a reverb cool. pedal. So that should do it. Right on. Well, we won't keep you um, any longer. Thanks so much for for hanging out again. It's so great to to catch up, and I'm, I'm sure we'll do it again in another six months after you've uh, you know traveled the globe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. Well, it's always great talking with you too. So thank you, Robert. Thank, thank you. Thanks, Scott. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. We'd like to thank Todd Barton for being on the show again. Check out toddbarton.com for information on upcoming performances, album releases, or to contact him for lessons, which I highly recommend. Check out Tim Held's Podular Modcast, as well as Ed Ball and Ben Wilson's show, Esoteric Modulation. Visit waveformmagazine.com to get a free print magazine delivered in the mail. Also check out the Galaxy Electric's Facebook group, The Cosmic Tape Music Club. They have great discussions about early experimental tape music, composers, and synthesizers. They also hold a weekly Boucle Drone session where they pair a 259 clone with a music easel and tweak the frequencies by hand. You can find those on Instagram at The Galaxy Electric or on their YouTube page. If you want to help support the show, you can do so through Patreon at patreon.com slash sourceofuncertainty. You can find out more about the show or contact us through our website at sourceofuncertainty.audio. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, you can find us on Instagram at at sourceofuncertainty. Until next month. I really look forward to the next one.